Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Kronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the orc countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! With the excitement of uh, your your idol, uh, Sylvia Tome, being in the equation, Ita, uh, you are a, a more lively uh, orc accountant than perhaps we uh, we are used to. Um, what, uh, what was... Back in the the Empire of Numbers, uh, in in your sort of uh, dormitory and in your cohort, um, what was the general vibe uh, about Sylvia Tome? How did uh, obviously you're a big fan? Um, I think again, there's a, a very easy case to be made for her being um, 
an easy person to idolize for the empire mm-hmm. of numbers. Um, also again, to, to be clear, like the empire and apex get along. They're not, um, yeah. they're not at odds. Uh, there are, you know, the, the quirks, but um, this is a, a very Ontario example, but uh, a little bit like the Stratford festival and the Shaw festival, where it's like, they're both theater festivals in Ontario <laughs> that are both successful. They have specific mandates. They chirp each other, but at the same time, we're just kind of happy. They're both nearby. <laughs> And that they both exist. So what um, what do you think the uh, beyond you? What was the like, were you um, par for the course in terms of your excitement about Sylvia? Um, Was she a cult icon? Was she a pop icon? What was uh, what was the vibe? I think she was extremely popular among the students. I think Mm. that in the Empire of Numbers, I think there was probably I think there was a professional jealousy among like my teachers and and other people studying in the same realm okay because because she was a bit she used her fame you know yeah absolutely yeah okay i love that Uh, i also feel like as we described earlier um if the empire of numbers is mostly dealing in you know um stone and wood and you know incredibly inventive physics-based machinery there's something too easy about the asshole who just like flies in on a cloud skimmer and like gives a cool flashy presentation and then flies away it's like well i mean yeah sure if you have all that but we don't want that so yeah just angrily flicking their abacuses and frustration okay love it um so this is this is legitimately exciting for you and i think also ida um one of the the first times that you actually have uh information that you would have liked to have shared with your peers um, we've established, I think that you were a bit of a loner. Um, we, I think we, we've used the Scrooge metaphor before, like young Scrooge, just being like, no, I shut up Fezziwig. I got to work on, uh, on the books. I can't meet Clara tonight. Um, but, um, you certainly weren't like antisocial. I just think yeah. there were a few times where, where you and your peers want something. So, uh, I think, uh, Ida, you're a little actually surprisingly, uh, in this, this cabin is the rain. Uh, falls and rises. Uh, you're a little bit homesick. Uh, you know you've been betrayed, and you know that you know um, you were set up, and that something is rotten in the state of the Empire of Numbers. Uh, but this is the first time I think you've you've realized, as often we do when we travel, that uh, you had ties to home uh, that you you weren't that weren't as apparent. Uh, because neither Duncan nor Maka can be nearly as excited about Sylvia Tome as they perhaps should be. Um, do you actually rest or are you too hyped up? Um, I th- No, I think Ida is practical enough that she forces herself to calm. Okay, but it's rest. like a, a sleeping the night before Christmas as a child knowing there will be toys in the morning. Yeah, so she so knows like, she like... Going to sleep will like make it come faster, <laughs> you know. Okay. So she's trying really hard to go to sleep. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, all right, great. Um, <clears throat> Duncan, um, how did you spend your 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 rest? And also, uh, you mentioned a short rest previously. Do you want to take a short rest or a long rest? You have options um, for both. I think Duncan would be fine with resting as long as people want. The party that crashed in this thing crashed two weeks ago. Like four yep. or five hours isn't going to make a difference in the hunt. We're not on like yeah. strict stuff. Cool. So so I'd say let, let's call this a long rest so you can actually yes. properly uh, heal up. Um, more importantly, get rid of the exhaustion. And um, I think uh, realistically with just how punishing the weather is, 
you would be inclined to take proper breaks, right? Um, this isn't yeah. like, that's eh, fine. We'll just muddle through. It's like, yeah, this is legitimately exhausting. And whether you volunteered that or if Maka just like observing all of your states of distress, just kind of quietly decided to extend it, uh, I think is kind of up to you guys. But um, so knowing that it's a long rest, then um, uh, Duncan, what did you get up to? So obviously there'd be like the watch trade off. I feel like we'll just we do that. We don't need to go into a long thing about it. Um, what he would do, generally speaking, to be sleeping, he was only lightly toasted. So I don't think he has to like the traditional kind of like wounds that needed to be patched up. The other thing he would probably do on his watch is go into the crew quarters and find what other kind of coats and slickers may or may not be available. Uh, and then what he would like to do is basically take his coat as it exists and then attach to the bottom in like a balloon pants way so that the, the the coat goes all the way down and wraps around the ankles of his boots. So when water sprays upwards, it doesn't like hit him in the crotch anymore. There's <laughs> pants built into the coat. So it's like a jumper almost. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and I feel like he'd do the same thing for Ida. I'm imagining she took hers off. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, I think maybe... Uh, We'll say the easiest way to do that is um, you don't find much by way of, of rainproof gear. It would seem that as with uh, what you've they already took it with them, yeah. they took most of what, what they had with them. Um, so you find some, some um, the only ones you, you do find are uh, ruined um, and I think probably belong to the two dead gnomes who are, are wrapped outside. Um so I think um, rather than being able to like properly parachute pants uh, it into like some weird inflated space pant suit, um, you're instead able to kind of do what uh, uh, like bike couriers do, which is just like wrap off your uh, your pant legs a bit and kind of like use the strips to create a bit of a seal. Um, and uh, we'll say maybe adding like um, a bit of extra material so that yeah you're you'll be wet but you won't be soaking anymore. Um, so I will give you advantage now on survival checks um, because you've you've retrofitted yourselves with additional supplies you didn't previously have. Um, you're still going to get wet, but it's like oh. you you've done the best you can from an improvised uh, survivalist perspective to like at least reduce the discomfort. Um, Going from like soft, wet, to like uncomfortably soggy, <laughs> you know, that important spectrum. Um, cool. Okay. I like that. Um, Maka, what, uh, how do you spend your, uh, your downtime? I think actually some of it might've been, um, dealing with, uh, the corpses outside. Sure. Um, yep. Gentle repose and things like that. Um, tending to any wounds that it looks like rest wouldn't heal. I, I know um, Ita kind of got the worst of it out there. Um, so I would probably cast, you know, like cure wounds there and, and sure. see to her. Yep. And then uh, and then I would want to take care of myself insofar as I would want to rest up to make sure that I can, you know, cast spells at maximum mm -hmm. effectiveness the next day as well. So I, okay. I would make sure that I got like enough rest. Good. <clears throat> All right. So uh, I generally restful, uh, restful time. In terms of being on watch, um, Ryan, you'd mentioned that you guys wanted to do that. Um, <clears throat> it's a bit of an odd watch uh, because you see these lightning creatures drop from the sky with great regularity, um, but they're not hunting for you. Um, you uh, can you roll me a perception check? Ryan, uh, with you, you don't need the disadvantage anymore because this will be over. I imagine Maka being the non-exhausted party would probably take first watch, so this will be on on your watch. Yeah, I mean that's a seven. Got to make those pants right. Fuck. 
<laughs> well, if we do this right, our crew might just have a new pair yeah. of parachute pants. Well, I think, no, this this would make sense to me in that he'd be looking for stuff that was a direct threat to them, probably not watching mm. patterns in the distance. Yep. Um, Maka and Ita, when you were on your watch, do you think you would be trying to... I mean, Ita, I feel like you can't help but look for patterns. Maka, I think we'll say on yours, you probably weren't because you were dealing with the bodies. Yeah. Um, so, Ida, if you could also please roll me. Uh, I'm going to go with Arcana this time because I think you would, your version wouldn't be, I'm just going to keep an eagle eye out in case of threats. It would be, I need to mathematically understand these weird chaos monsters. How yeah. adroit is this analysis? <laughs> Our uh, adroit. <laughs> 20 total. Is this analysis? <laughs> um, a very adroit uh, President Kennedy. Um, I realized what's really funny is when I first started describing adroit analysis, I was calling it adroit analysis. And it was just because like I was stuck in like a French phase with yeah. Ida. And I'm like, we pronounce it adroit. Anyways. She can that call is good. it adroit though. Yeah, it's true. It's great, <laughs> yeah, baby. It's, 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 it's possible. It's weirder when I say it as Laura. Like, yeah. that's not right. Yeah, very rarely does Ida in combat yell, I'm going to do a droit analysis. It's like, no, nah, she does the analysis yeah. and then says things. Yep. Um. <laughs> I have to say, I do have like French words go through my head when I'm looking for words as to Ida. It's weird. Anyways. I mean, feel free to word Continue. vomit those uh, at any time. Uh, as anyone who speaks uh, any amount of languages beyond uh, their first will tell you, like, yes, it's that all the time. And, you know, <laughs> That'll mean this show includes more French than blood and syrup, which is said in Montreal. I told you, you all drank the magic syrup that let you speak in French the whole time in the same way that Snake Eater is all in Russian. And they comment on it a couple times to justify it, because I hate when people are doing accents in a place where they would be speaking their own language. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, go ahead and, uh, roll Laura. And again, if yeah. you have a skill you'd rather use, if you would like to use your, uh, adroit analysis, that's, uh, totally fine. No, baby, I got, I got the 20 total. But not natural. So that's actually a disappointment coming from you in this particular <laughs> I session. I know. And that but was with after, double expertise too. <laughs> after chirping Ryan about no double thirties and getting exactly double thirties, I'm learning to, uh, zip the lip on these particular cases yeah we um, can't taunt tom and he can't taunt the dice apparently not yeah that's <laughs> on me damn you averages <laughs> um so uh with that uh laura what Ida notices is the um when the lightning creatures come down uh, also what would you guys like what what would you label these lightning creatures as um i feel like in the same way that one thing i think that the walking dead tv show did that was very very smart was have every single culture they encounter called a zombie something else because everyone mm. just because the the conceit is that zombies quote quote don't exist in pop culture in that world so they all had yeah. to come up with their own name um i feel like uh i've just been calling them lightning monsters out loud because you wouldn't know what these things are what do you think um as a, a team you would eventually start to call them duncan happy to started... take like three pitches i'm happy to just be like someone did it and everyone follows whatever you want duncan would have started calling them bolts because there's lightning bolts so it would feel like that would be on the ground that would be fine. Maka, mm -hmm. probably before that, I think might have even said like an elemental or something like that, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to Maka. Or bolters. It could be bolts. <laughs> that's fine. Bolters is going to take me to a 40k realm, so bolts yeah. is going to be uh, easier to yeah, stay Yeah, that's true. Suddenly, Actually... the lightning has more skulls and spikes <laughs> on it. 
the like Adeptus Lightning, the lightning is, Bolters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. So bolts. Um, so in watching the behavior of the bolts, um, uh, you know, you notice, and I think this might actually be something you're actually working out on paper, where it's like you you are just properly analyzing, like just taking down as you would observing nature, just like okay, so a bolt comes down. Um, either it subdivides, as you saw in the woods earlier, or it doesn't. Um, it seems to almost patrol the area it's dropped into. And mm. that search seems to be very, very intense. But then it, it dissipates uh, over time. Um, but the important thing for you is you're not seeing um, predatory behavior from these bolts. Um, they are certainly patrolling but there's no sense that they're tracking you or looking for, um, you know, footprints or tracks or anything else. They seem to be very focused on wherever they drop. Um, you're getting a bit of a century vibe uh, from them that mm. uh, they seem to be uh, not guarding anything in particular because they hit the ground and just kind of wander around. But it's very much a century attitude of like patrolling the area until their, their energy dissipates. Um, to you, it looks very wasteful and very chaotic. Yeah. Which is odd because there must be some, the fact of these things and what they're doing suggests an intelligence, but yeah. the placement is entirely random. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good news for what that means for your watches and for future hunkering down is um, they won't actively track you. So if you do tuck in somewhere and you make yourselves kind of inconspicuous as you did in um, Sylvia's quarters, you can kind of like the 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 watches can actually be a little bit lapsed because you're actually right. only watching for these things to like drop on the ship, which they probably have um, over the course of you know the eight hours you spend. But if everyone just tucks away, they kind of wander around and then fuck off. Mm-hmm. So um, yes, that is the the learning from your uh, from your watch. Duncan misses it because he is dedicated to making good pants. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I would tell them, uh, for sure. That's just like, uh, so, uh, I'm sure that, uh, you have all noticed, but just to ensure that we are on the same page, so to speak, um, these, these, these bolts, they, are there seems to be an intelligence behind, behind them, but perhaps they are not seeking specifically us out. They seem to be more like guarding something, uh, seem to be just general protecting the area they appear in. I, I, I do not believe they are seeking out us to destroy. They seem to be uh, rather neutral when it comes to, to, to what they will attack, if it well, were. So, so-, I, so whether it is someone directing them to do it or some sort of, I don't know, if you were automated system, I am unaware. All right. So that, I mean, yeah, methodology kind of unimportant, weirdly enough, from our opinion. Uh, do you think that they could be being launched down to look for Sylvia in them? Or is there something they're defending that perhaps we should be looking for? Or should we just keep traveling onto the observatory and see if Sylvia's made it there? I wonder if perhaps they are... Defending the observatory or perhaps the whole valley? Okay, I was kind of asking you to guess, and then you just gave two other theories. Uh, do you think it's those? I'm, I'm trying to figure out what our next step should be. 
I have Lord no Lightning? further information. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm done talking to you. Uh, Marka, do you think we should go to the observatory or should we try to see what the lightning things are protecting, the bolts? We know that this observatory is inaccessible. We may do well to try and track and follow the survivors of this crash. Yes, this vessel which held a supposed key to the observatory. Yes, I'm guessing they would head towards the observatory myself. And if they've had two weeks, they very well may have made it there with that key. So in the direction of the observatory, but looking for any hint or trackable trace of the party from the ship? Yes. Indeed, that would seem the logical next step. I interject from outside <laughs> where you've ignored me now. <laughs> Great. Is that, do you know what? It's a weird thing, Ita, but I feel like we're getting more out of you telling us what's a good idea or not if I ask him questions, because then you just seem to be freed up to think instead of respond. Uh, that is an astute observation. All right, well, we'll keep doing that in future. Just know that I'm not trying to offend you when I talk to Mark. It seems like this is a good conversational vibe for us. Fair enough. Are we all ready to move out? Oh, yeah, Ita, I made you these pants. They're really good. I sort of got distracted by how good they are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ita, a very quick uh, glance at them uh, suggests that, yes, these are, in fact, very good pants uh, for the weather conditions you're facing. Um, it's it's an easy, again, purely logically, yes, having tapered, uh, <laughs> having a seal at your your boots would be very handy. Duncan, this is this is fantastic and precisely what is needed. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Marka, shall you lead the way again, there, friend? Hmm. Yes, there is something I would like to attempt, perhaps a more direct way of finding the survivors of this crash. All Uh, right. Tom, I would like to cast Locate Creature. Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out their flagship podcast, Dum Dums and Dragons. It's a show where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. It features Laura Elizabeth as the wizard Alan, Tyler Hewitt as the thief Quinny, and Ryan LaPlante as a cleric named Butthole. Through their first season, these heroes experience the minds of Fandelver, but starting in season two, they step into a world of fully original adventures from the mind of DM Tom McGee. Follow them from the beginning of their quest through Five more seasons and beyond. Check it out now. Dom, doms, and dragons. Ooh. Okay. Talk me through that. Um, <laughs> and what are you trying to? Are you trying to locate so Sylvia? I can describe or name a creature that is familiar to me. I sense like the to direction. Describe Sylvia Tom's body, but not head. <laughs> Uh, I can sense the direction to the creature's location as long as that creature is within 1,000 feet of me. Um, Mm. If the creature is moving, I know the direction of its movement. Um, Spell can locate a specific creature known to me um, or the nearest creature of a specific kind. So I think, um, I don't think a small trinket with a smashed in face is enough for Maka to know. I would agree. But if he were to say, I am looking for gnomes, I'm Mm. hoping that will... Mm-hmm. be sufficient um i'll just let you know a little bit more here 
Uh, the spell can locate a specific creature known to you or the nearest creature of that specific kind, such as a human or a unicorn. So long as you have seen that, those are the examples they give. I so, love it. I so would never want any examples other than human or unicorn. Those yeah. are the two extremes. So long as you yeah. have seen such a creature up close within 30 feet, at least once, if the creature you described or named is in a different form, such as being under the effects of a polymorph spell, this spell doesn't locate the creature. The spell can't locate a creature if running water at least 10 feet wide blocks a direct path between you and the creature. Hmm. So uh, I've been doing some Googling to determine how much a thousand feet is. It's actually, yeah, it's not a ton. Um, So, hmm. So we've got a a half kilometer in a circle with you at its middle. Yeah. Uh, Maka, can you roll me a religion check? Uh, because I, I will tell you, the gnomes are not within that range. Okay. But given the way that your spells work, I am inclined to give you the benefit of, <laughs> in vaguely gross terms, uh, if they're shedding skin cells and things along the way and you're using like weird bacterial magic, like yeah. it would seem to me that you would, you may not be able to use it as effectively, but you would at least get some hint as to, to where you're going. Dare we call it cluster vision? <laughs> cluster vision! It's Paul Bettany and Tyler Hewitt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a 10. Okay. For religion. So, uh, yet again, Maka, you, you find yourself um, reaching out through the cluster um, and finding great strength and ability there, but not uh, with the usual wave of... of um, Jossie that you can kind of feel pushing it. Um, mechanically, I do want to underline that this is not necessarily because that isn't here, because you've been drawing on Jossie the whole time, despite Jossie being tainted. But in terms of where your head is at, you're just mm-hmm. not... The, the. I don't think Maka considers himself a man of faith, because faith is irrelevant to kind of... the, the just, yeah. But in, in the way that like people who have utter faith, like unquestioning faith, do just take it as a point of fact. So what's weird is, <laughs> even though you aren't like a man of faith per se, you do lean on just that belief that Jossie is guiding things. And without that, you're you're now uh, slightly um, off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you you cast out the net. Um, you aren't able to, to pull uh, a, an exact direction. Um, that said, the fact that they aren't within that range is in and of itself information because you can see the uh, the like the nice thing about the Spiros Observatory is similar to the Sand Tower. It is visible from anywhere you could be in this valley. It's kind of the point. Mm. So, you know, it's further than that. Uh, it's a few kilometers away. Um, oh, OK. But uh, that also suggests that the gnomes aren't close, which is somewhat helpful. OK. Uh, I will close my eyes and try to concentrate and, and visualize a gnome, um, one of the many gnomes that I've met. Mm-hmm. Um, and when kind of nothing comes back, I'll just turn to the group and say, uh, the, the surviving gnomes are out of range of my perception. We will have to seek physical evidence of where they went or operate on the hunch that they did indeed go to the observatory. 
All right, so we know a direction and we've got things to look out for. Let's do this. Shall I endow you with protection from the lightning now? It is, I, it is, its potency lasts only for an hour. I would say let's wait. And then if we're going to face off with a creature, hit me with it right then. Yes, this is wise. Good. Maka will lead. Maka will start walking out. All right. So together, you um, you force your way back out into the storm. Um, There's a special kind of hell when you've been like super wet for a really long time, and then you get just dry enough that you remember what not being wet was like, and then immediately <laughs> step back out into the mm-hmm. rain, and it's. The pants help, but it is it is unpleasant. Um, and uh, with that, you you begin to attempt to track uh, the gnomes uh, on their way. Meanwhile, um, back at uh, Doc Malvern's clinic, uh, Gwendolyn, um, you've had some time uh, with the clinic. Now there aren't any other patients uh, at at present, um, so you've actually had some time just with with Nev and Bleep and uh, Doc Malvern. Um, I'm curious what Gwendolyn's strategy here is. Is it you, you've expressed earlier the interest, which I think is very valid, of um, Gwendolyn has come up against resistance to the idea of the alliance of equals mm-hmm. uh, for the very first time, uh, and it's actually kind of strange because to this point in your experience, uh, it's been such an overwhelmingly positively received thing, and or yeah, just a completely like no, 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 fuck that, I hate that for like. There's, there's never been this weird kind of thanks, but no thanks because reasons um, response. You also realize, uh, and it's also kind of new for you, that um, you'd never heard of uh, an alliance of this nature aside from uh, the sort of alliance of the living against the dead in the war against yeah. uh, uh, Asher and the, uh, the the his necrotist forces. So um, you realize there are some things to learn, uh, and there are some questions that that you have that you perhaps didn't have previously um, about uh, kind of the nature of these previous alliances. And also, uh, as we've talked about, you're now also contending with like the actual burden of command, which is an exhausting nightmare. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what um what Gwendolyn is doing and kind of what what she's kind of hoping to ascertain then I'll tell you what's sort of going on in the clinic sure um so I think two things first she wants to know why the previous alliance failed Mm -hmm. because she does not want to repeat the same mistakes um and secondly she would want so whether that's like chatting with people or you know if there's a library, <laughs> no. So basically, if there just was, with it's just like a bunch of wet napkins. It's yeah. a bummer. Um, and she would want to talk with um, Doc Malvern if the doctor was um, receptive about what um, her idea of like her basically her ideal like cooperative society would look like um it could even like basically just like open to like okay pretend there are no nations like okay interesting she's just she's curious to see what um an ideal society looks like because to her it was just like oh yeah all these different people separate but cooperating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um who do you go to first um or how would you you go uh, about this? Bleed. Uh, 
Leap. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, Gwendolyn, you find Bleep, um, you actually, uh, catch him unawares, uh, and mm-hmm. he is, uh, sitting in, um, what probably at some point would have been like the employee, like coat closet, um, in the, uh, the sort of, uh, welcome center. Um, and, uh, as you walk in, um, he's actually got a, uh, a desk set up and there are a number of, um, painstakingly uh handwritten i mean it's it's fantasy time so everything is but um Mm -hmm. you can see a number of documents uh, written in an incredibly scratchy hand Mm -hmm. um and uh he has set up a little almost like a little alcove of papers um and uh he has a couple of, of old very very worn books uh, and you realize as you step in, there are no windows in this closet and that it actually might be the most paper secure spot mm. in the clinic. Um, and um, as you walk in, you actually hear him muttering to himself, um, just saying like, um, no, no, of, uh, of course, because um, right. The, the orcish system would reject that particular herb uh, because of the the naturally allergenic nature, so I would need to swap in, um, perhaps a, a concoction. If I well, if I altered it, that damn it! And he just kind of like sweeps uh, a paper out of his way, um, and uh, you see him write down on a list that, as you kind of slowly sneak into the room, you can see is uh, listed as uh, things to ask Doc, mm. um, and uh, he writes like replacement uh, for mint based tinctures. Um, and it's a pretty long list. Um, he's crossed out a few, but um, it's kind of long. And he just kind of sits back into his chair. Um, and you can see his wings uh, weirdly like um, arc and spike up in kind of a uh, what you would imagine tense shoulders would be if you had mm. a second set of shoulders you had to contend with. Right. Um, he has not yet noticed you. What do you do? Uh, I give a little like knock on the wall. Uh, and he just kind of goes, oh, 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 uh, hello, hello. And he like quickly tries to, you know, mop up his desk a little bit, but realizing it's a lost cause, just kind of sighs and turns and says, uh, 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 your highness, uh, welcome. Uh, sorry, I was just getting getting some studying in. Uh, you'll have to, uh, excuse me, do you need something? Do you, are, do you um, and his eyes kind of dart back and forth in an adorable monkey way. And it just says, do, do you need food or drink uh no no not 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 at all um i'm really sorry to disturb you no um, please disturb away i hate this <laughs> he closes a book with frustration <laughs> wait what do you hate <laughs> and he just kind of gestures to all oh, this is all 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 of it i'm I, I i'm sorry i'm studying things that are a little bit beyond uh my understanding and it's very frustrating um oh don't i hear that Wait, seriously, you're a princess, though. Yeah, but like, I mean, I found out that like there's so much that I don't know. And like Duncan like tries to teach me stuff and I've been like, you know, basically trying to undo a lot of education I've had. Okay, right? Like, right. look, look, and he like kind of like looks around conspiratorially and kind of like um, gets up and he, at this point he's not flying. You can tell he's kind of stressed. So he instead just like monkey climbs. Uh, over over some things, just hangs off like a coat hook. And he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. No one ever says that, and it's driving me completely fucking crazy. 
Um, I am trying to learn all of Doc Malvern's practice, and it, it there's there, what everybody is so crazy and different. Mm-hmm. Why can't there just be a universal body? It would be so much easier for me. Right, right, right. Ah. Well, I mean, that kind of segues into like a nice point is that there are so many different peoples, right? And we yeah. kind of like uh, want to find a way for everyone to like work together. You know? Yes, it's, it's absolutely like, beautiful. It's a beautiful tapestry, but it's a fucking exhausting one to have to study from a medical perspective. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the thing is, like, the important part about learning is like free flow of information and cooperation. And clearly, there used to be cooperation here, and and that all kind of went to shit, apparently. Uh, yeah, that's what, what the doc tells me. Yeah. Do you? I mean, do you know what happened there? What went wrong? I mean, I, uh, what, in terms of like what went wrong with the doc and with, well, with, with, with his people? Cause I mean, in, in terms of this, I mean, I, mean, that I, too. I was born, uh, in this, this valley. So, uh, or at least I think I was, I don't really have any memories from back then, but like, I've just kind of been here as long as I can remember. Right. So but, perhaps this would be, I mean, I would love to like ask the doc about this, but I'm a little bit want to be a bit sensitive, you know, because this seems to be a bit of a sore subject and I certainly don't want to cause more pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, uh, from what I've seen the doc, uh, he's actually pretty good about, uh, talking about hard stuff. Um, but I think you just, you got to approach it in the right way. Um, I don't know too much about what happened. I think Nev knows a bit more because, you know, he's, he's a little bit more worldly than uh, the, your humble winged monkey here. But, um, yeah, uh, the doc is, uh, he's had a bit of a rough go with things, um, but he's kind of at peace with it. You just got to be careful about how you approach it, you know? He, he's been burned, been burned a few times by, by uh, trust. So just, um, you, you can ask him though. I mean, he's, he's, he's an old guy and he knows uh, his time's right. limited. So he's, uh, he's pretty intent on uh, sharing what he knows. And then like bleak just gestures at all the, the scratchy documents. He's like, he's, uh, he's taking the time to write all of this for me. Uh, Cause he, he believes I can, I can do it and I can do something with it. And um, that was a lot. I took a lot out of him and it was a lot of work for a guy who doesn't have too much time left, but he did it because I think he, he, he really wants to make sure that um, whatever difference he's made and whatever he knows can be of use. So I think you can ask him uh, just, just be, be careful because he's, he's had a hard go. It sounds like you have too. I always kind of thought princess has kind of had it made in the shade, but it sounds like you've kind of had a bad, bad ride of it too. So maybe he'll respond to that. I mean, it was pretty good up until like a little while ago and then I got stabbed, but that's fine. But you got stabbed? Yeah. Do you need me to like take a look at it? And then he like, you can just tell he like absolutely has no clue what he would even do with armor yeah. that's been stabbed. But he also is just like sadly, like he knows he has to be a doctor someday. So it's just like <laughs> I'm his say, tiny little monkey hands. I say, no, you're great. And I kind of like bang on my chest. He's kind of like ding ding ding. It's like, it's fine. Right. Okay. Well, cool. Well, one kind of magical being to another. Uh Great. But yeah, uh, you'd, you'd have to ask him. Uh, I, I can, you know, I, I can tell you stuff about uh, what we do here. Uh, and I can tell you a little bit about the doc and about Nev, certainly. Um, but uh, and if you want to know the doc's story, I think you'd, you'd best ask him. Right. Well, 
I mean, that's really helpful. I oh, mean, thank you. you you're, you're quite, you're quite um, a, a pleasant person to talk to. So, thank, thank you. Um, I got to roll a check for him. <laughs> um, he actually uh, kind of looks away and then narrows his eyes and says, "I think, I think that might have been part of the reason I was made." Wait, what? Um, and he kind of like shakes his head. He says, I, 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 I'm sorry. Um, I, sometimes I get glimpses of, of, of you know, uh, me before all, all this. Uh, and um, I don't know, something you just said there. Uh, pleasant to talk to. I think that that was part, part of it. Huh. Did someone change you? And he just like shrugs in a hilarious monkey way. Uh, and he says, uh, I, I, I don't know about any other, uh, creatures like me anywhere, really. Uh, and I've just kind of always been here. So I feel like someone had to, at some point have done something, but yeah, it's fine. I, I got my, you know, I got my life here. I'm studying with the doc. Uh, you know, I, I've got a, uh, you know, a, a partner in Nev, uh, things, things are fine. So, you know, I'm figuring it out as I go, but I'm also not too worried about it. Well, I mean. I guess that's all right then. Yeah, I think so. Wish they'd right. created me with knowledge of medicine. Would have really saved me some time. And he just gestures uh, at all the notes. Right. Um, well, I mean, thanks. Thanks for sh- for sharing. Oh, uh, yeah. Anytime. Honestly, anything to, to <laughs> that'll take me away from having to do the work I'm supposed to be doing, I will happily do. Uh. Anytime. And then he leans and he's like, anytime. Right. I may ask for your assistance later. Cool. All right. Good luck, princess. Um, and he uh, he flits over, sits down on his chair, uh, takes a big deep breath in, breathes out, and then just opens the book again and clearly is is re-looking at the same passage he, mm-hmm. was, he was trying to figure out. Um, and uh, with that, Gwendolyn, you know it might be time uh, to go talk to Dr. Malvern. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, 
Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.